you are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Alita Battle Angel. Does it bother you that I'm not completely human? You are the most human person I have ever met. Didn't I tell you to be home before dark? I just lost track of time. Alita, you have to be responsible. You are someone very special. Hey, kid. Not just a teenage girl. Hey, what's your problem? You can't remember. What do you mean? Doc found you in the scrapyard. So you must be from up there. And I'm just an insignificant girl. That's what they want you to think. I'm not your daughter. I don't know what I am. I do. You have the most advanced weapon ever. But that's just a shell. It's not bad or good. That part's up to you. I do not stand by presence of evil. She's threatening the natural order of things. Tonight is not a game. It is a hunt. I need you to destroy a girl called Alita. You made the biggest mistake of your life. And what's that? underestimating who I am. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Alita Battle Angel, and the story is as follows. Set several centuries in the future, the abandoned Alita is found in the scrapyard of Iron City by Ido, a compassionate cyber doctor who takes the unconscious cyborg Alita to his clinic. When Alita awakens, she has no memory of who she is, nor does she have any recognition of the world she finds herself in. As Alita learns to navigate her new life and the treacherous streets of Iron City, Ido tries to shield her from her mysterious past. The film is starring Rosa Salazar, Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, Mahershala Ali, Ed Screen, Jackie Earl Haley, and Kean Johnson. It is directed by Robert Rodriguez, written by James Cameron, and Laeta Calogridis. Joining me for this review, I have Katie Schaefer. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, Katie. It's, uh, it's you know, it's February. It's, uh, it's that time of the year, you know, where we are... It's kind of a crapshoot, honestly. I, you know, you know, you never know with the major release of the week if it's going to be something great like uh, a Get Out or a Black Panther, or if it's going to be like Alita Battle Angel. Yeah, <laughs> and this was definitely not, you know, Get Out or or Black Panther or anything close to that. I mean, I will say this for Alita Battle Angel: it does deliver on a certain degree of spectacle. I remember when the trailer first dropped for this, actually, uh, myself, Will Mavity, a few others, we immediately started asking ourselves, like, oh, like, is this going to be a best visual effects Oscar contender for the 2018 uh, year? And the release date got pushed to February, and that was no longer on the table anymore. And looking at it now, I can see why they moved the release date uh, like they did. Because Alita Battle Angel is 
it's a mixed bag, uh, a mixed bag that leans more towards the negative, I think, than the positive in many cases. And this is just one of those examples where it's like, how much money did this movie cost to make? It costs like almost $200 million. And I think this is just one of those classic examples of maybe too many cooks in the kitchen to make this film because it, it's very unfocused and it just feels like a mess to me. But... What about you, Katie? Uh, you know, like, what would you think of Alita Battle Angel ultimately? Well, I, I thought that there were so many problems with this movie. It has a really, really cringeworthy script. Um, the acting is nothing to write home about. Uh, the story and the plot kind of meanders around and it, it, it's never really able to tell a coherent narrative. Just kind of skips from beat to beat to beat to beat. And I don't like it when movies do that. You got to thread me through this plot and it just fails so badly at that. And for me, the visuals are good. You know, they're mind-blowingly well done and they definitely push the genre forward in visual effects but that's all they have and it kind of felt like the whole movie was just about that it's about showing how cool we can make things look which is a very cameron-esque thing so and it felt like a lot of this was cameron like i know rodriguez directed it and at times you could tell that but so much of the movie feels like james cameron was pushing every like kind of controlling every aspect of it. And that was disappointing. And I'm a huge anime fan. Like I've watched a lot of anime and it's really hard to translate from in Japanese animation to live action. Not even Japanese people can do it most of the time, but this just fell down on that job so, so hard. Yeah, I have to be, like, honest with myself here. Like, in terms of translating the Japanese, like, cyberpunk magna, uh, you know, series or manga, sorry, I said that wrong, manga series, like, over to the live uh, action world, you know, I, I have to say that outside of Alita herself, who's a CGI uh, creation, I was very underwhelmed by the presentation of the world itself with the art direction and... Maybe part of that was because I saw the movie in 3D. And 3D, I don't think, sometimes is the best way nowadays to watch a movie, actually. Um, I find that the details in a 3D movie and like in the background and the environment don't pop as much uh, because they're focused much more on what's in the foreground and having that pop a little bit more. So I didn't really get the sense that from even from a design aesthetic standpoint that this movie was... Um, all that I could, all that it could have been, and I have to say, like, it just and that's like one example of like the lost potential of this movie because the movie is admittedly underwhelming and does not deliver on its full potential because they blatantly set up more sequels with this movie. It's like, oh, we're not going to give you the full story. We're not going to give you full characterization. We're not going to give you the full scope of the main villain, who in this case is Nova, who is played by Edward Norton in an uh, <laughs> uncredited, non-speaking role. Are you sure that's Edward Norton? Because to me, that was fucking James Cameron. No, 100,000%. It's confirmed it's Ed Edward Norton. 
Oh my God. It, like, I saw it and I just, when he comes on the screen, I just busted out laughing. It was <laughs> like every time, every time he's on screen, I just laughed and laughed and laughed. I was like, what is going on here? What is this nonsense on the screen? It's just, oh, that particular part really bothered me. And the world, like you said, the, the 3D it was not the best choice for something like this. I see why they did it and it looks cool, but everything else suffers for it. Like, you can't make out anything in the background. It makes it look choppy and poorly edited. And ugh, I, all I could do is stare at the backgrounds as all this stuff is flying out at me. And I'm like, this just does not look good. Oh, my God. Like Gruishka, uh, played by Jackie Earl Haley. He's got, like, these... I don't even know what you would call them, chained, like, sharp blades that, you know, jump out at the screen at, you know, they, they, they there's some, vi- you know, visual effects, 3D moments that are, you know, they're attention grabbing, I guess you could say. And the action uh, portraying Alita as this uh, battle heroine who, despite the fact that she's, like, so tiny and small compared to everyone else around her, she is, like, the strongest, quickest, most capable, most badass person in the room. Um, The thing that kept me at a distance was, despite all of that, despite the set pieces and these action moments, the 3D, the design of the characters, all of that, I just was always at a distance because... I felt that the movie just stumbled and stumbled and stumbled in terms of its characterization for uh, Alita, for Ido, for a bunch of other characters in this. And the world building was very unfocused to me. Exactly. That's what I was thinking, too. This beautiful world that they create that looks so interesting. All of the you know, and that giant fabulous world that's above them, above Iron City and all of this, we just get this like just little tiny bits of it sprinkled in. And it's like, well, if you're going to have the world be such a big part of it, and in particular, you're going to have, you know, the city above Iron City, the floating one, be such a a call for people. Everybody wants to go there and it's talked up and talked up, but we have almost no idea why. It's just like it's never given any context. And then the world below doesn't really seem that bad other than, you know, the criminals running around, which it just you don't see the compa- why everybody wants to go up there to Zalem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And why it's so terrible in Iron City. Like it's talked about, but you don't ever see it. Right. Just and there's also talk about the fall and what happened in the past and i just think the way that the sequences of events are kind of unfolded for the viewer to get acclimated with uh this world with its past and just the whole dynamic of the setup um i just think it's very much fumbled uh by james cameron and by uh his co-screenwriter on this uh laeta uh i don't i don't think that I don't think they gave Robert Rodriguez enough to work with here. Uh, That screenplay is something that also, too, has... You said it before, Katie. The dialogue in this is... Oof. There are some moments here where I, I, like... I had to ask myself, like, what... Like, like Alita, right? Mm Mm-hmm. She has these moments where she says these uh, things to both... 
uh, Ido, played by Christoph Waltz, and uh, Keenan Johnson, who plays uh, Hugo in this, where I, I just like, is this supposed to be funny? Like, is it supposed to be like a moment of humor? Are we supposed to look at her like she's a fish out of water and this is like, you know, supposed to be being played up for comedic purposes? Or is this just really bad writing? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand how this screenplay, unless if it got edited up in the editing room and chopped up to bits, I just don't see how this screenplay, anybody could look at it and think to themselves, oh, this is a complete and full movie with, you know, fully dimensional characters that these people are going to really, really be invested and really care about. I just don't, ugh, it just felt so pedestrian, so, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I know, it's so hard. And I, like the, and I, I got to go back again to the fact that this is, you know, a translation from a, a Japanese anime. And like, it had a lot of the tropes that are very common in Japanese anime, how, like, magical Alita is and how uh, trusting and how willing she is to give of herself and all of those are like very common ideas in this kind of anime story and this kind of manga but it doesn't play well in this movie because it kind of seems naive and childish instead of like something to be strived for and uh looked at as a positive the way it is in the anime and it just kept all of the things that make an anime so good like those great fight scenes a lot of times they look so dumb yeah in the movie it's like this i mean it's cool but it looks weird it doesn't feel right and i had such a hard time when i wrote my review trying to pinpoint exactly why these kinds of things where they take something from one medium and put it into another don't work. It's kind of like with uh, Watchmen. I'll go back to that, where that's a comic book that Alan Moore wrote and wrote it as a comic book because that was the only way he could tell that story. And then they turned it into a movie and something about it just doesn't work. There's just something missing. And I felt that way about this, that it was never going to work regardless of who did it because this story isn't meant for this medium. What was that uh, movie by Zack Snyder with all the girls? Um, Sucker Punch? Yeah. You know, it. this movie reminded me both of that and it also reminded me of Ready Player One oh, God, in yeah. the sense that this just this movie feels like it's a teenage boy's uh, fantasy yes. come to life on the screen. Yes. And I'm just not interested in seeing that kind of a movie. Um, I was interested in seeing this, you know, female uh, protagonist, uh, you know, be this action warrior hero. And the film, though, fails her because the whole movie, she's uh, like a mixture of a girl who loves chocolate, but also a girl that can like really kick your ass. And it just felt like the balance was off for me. Um she also doesn't have a moment of realization when she starts like fighting like oh i can do this like because she lost her memory and she doesn't like remember who she is and stuff but yet she somehow is able to pick up like all these badass fighting moves like instantaneously with no kind of surprise or realization of oh like i did not know i had the ability to you know do all these things i guess my muscle memory might be kicking in right now or something you know right it's just like it's a very it, it it it's such a uh it just it's just not thoughtful it's not a very thoughtful like character motivations what like what is jennifer Connolly's character motivations in this movie 
Can you tell me? Because I honestly was so confused. (laughs) Yep, I I felt the same way. And, you know, I I could see where her character was going to go pretty quickly and then what role she was going to play. But it was just so tiring. Like, and it felt that way about a lot of this. I felt that way about a lot of points in this movie where you could see exactly what was coming and it was not very interesting. And they never surprised you by throwing something new in there or, uh, you know, finding a reason to make you care about these characters. Like they fall down on the job so hard with that because it's, it, you just, you don't care because you don't, they don't give you enough to invest in. There's no time taken to really give us a reason to want to know more. It's just, here's plot point to plot point to plot point to plot point. And that's not enough to invest me in a movie. You have to take the time to tell me the story, not just throw a bunch of cool looking pictures at me. And that's kind of what this felt like a lot of the time. Now, my question is, uh, if a sequel gets greenlit, which I don't think it's going to happen at this point because I really don't think that this movie is going to make enough money for them to be able to green light a sequel. But if they did, do you feel that there is enough room for potential to get better? Or do you feel that the amount of ways that they kind of stumbled with this first initial entry is something that's going to carry over? Oh, it'll definitely carry over. I don't think that they'll get better with another one. I think it... You, the second part of a, if obviously I'm sure they want to make it a trilogy, uh, the second part of a trilogy can't be the part where you do all the setup. <laughs> you have to have laid the groundwork in the first one. And it, it seemed from the ending of this film that they felt they had, you know, that we're ready to move on to a new part of the story. And I was like, but I don't really know enough about the first part of the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I care about seeing a second one? Right. And you were expecting, and the the worst part is, is that they throw that fact that there's going to be a sequel on in like the last 10 minutes of the movie. Because it seems like we are coming to, you know, a final conclusion. And then it just never happens. Oh, and it just, the movie just ends. Yeah. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. What are we doing here? Like such a feeling of unfulfillment at the end of the, at the end of the movie, and I I really don't like it when a movie blatantly in its first entry sets up a sequel with the second film. I much rather prefer movies like The Matrix or Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, where the first movie is a standalone, and there was no plans necessary to make a sequel. They were just trying to tell a complete full movie. Uh, But then you get an example like Alita here where they are making the movie designed to have a sequel. And that's such a, you know, A, it's a gamble because you don't know if audiences are going to respond to, you know, your first entry. Um, And two, if they don't respond to it, you've kind of just then squashed like every chance now you could have had to bring this adaptation to the screen and it's like you instead of focusing on telling a complete and full story you were more focused on world building to set us up for the next thing to which i say this would have worked so much better if this was a six hour mini series 
Yes. Cut, cut back on the budget. Don't do Alita as a CGI character, you know, and just do a six hour television series, uh, two hours each or I don't know, something, you know, maybe make it a three part thing. But tell your story in a longer medium instead of trying to cram so much into two hours that by squeezing everything in, some pieces get leaked out and we're left with something that is incomplete. Right. And it, it felt like they tried to tell a whole story, but then they just lopped the end off. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, well, if you weren't going to have this be the climax and the end, then why didn't you stretch out the first part more? If this was going to be a, a story where we're just not going to get that, then you should have planned better because there's so much crammed into this movie. And then there, without that final you know, climax confrontation, like you said, you're just left sitting in the theater going, what? What happened? You know, it's two hours long. (laughs) And I, I did, I did say to myself, you know, you know what? This movie probably could have fixed a lot of its issues if it just had 10 extra minutes to give us a little bit of context to the world building a tad bit more characterization so that we could care about uh, some of these characters a little bit more. And also, too, to be fair, uh, like people like Mahershala Ali and Christoph Waltz, they're phoning it in here. Oh, yeah. Um, there's, yeah, like you, you kind of. Jennifer Connelly, she's just sleepwalking through this. Yeah, they're just there. Exactly. All of them are just there. Uh, Ed Screen, to his credit, does his Ed Screen thing where he's arrogant, he's cocky, he, he, plays, he plays such a good prick. He does. He's phenomenal at it. Um, but yeah, man, everyone else that you kind of pay money to come see here, the A listers that are involved, they just don't bring it. And now it all kind of rests on Rosa Salazar's uh, shoulders here. And it's really tough to judge what it is that she's doing because I think some of her line readings are bad because of the screenplay. And it's also not her on screen because of this motion capture technology so it's really really tough for me to judge her performance here and so i'm kind of left with a bunch of characters i don't really care about in a world that feels like it has potential but is left very very incomplete and then what's left the action set pieces i guess to just make sure i don't fall asleep yep pretty much that's kind of that's why I felt so much that this movie is just a kind of a look how great we are at making, you know, visual effects. Look how Mm -hmm. cool this stuff is. And that everything else is kind of thrown in there to get you to come and see the movie. So you can see how cool they can make these visual effects. What'd you think of the murder ball sequences? Oh, the, um, they're cool. That is what it's called, right? It is called murder ball. Um, what is it called? I think so. Oh, motor motor ball. Sorry. Motor ball. It's really, though, it's, it's murder ball. Come yeah, on. yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I was kind of like, that was not an expected part for me. And I saw it was like, oh, okay. Okay. And it's, they're fun to watch. But they don't really add much. And it feels kind of another thing crammed into the story that they don't take the time to develop or really sell to us uh, as why this is such a big part of these people's lives because it seems kind of silly. I also didn't know how the game was played. Yeah, that too. There's no like, 
I understand Quidditch a lot more than that, and Quidditch makes much less sense. <laughs> I also was like, why the hell is Jai Courtney in this film for two minutes? Mm-hmm. Where is Jai Courtney? I want more Jai Courtney because I think he's he's always fun to watch, especially in this kind of thing. And you just get one look from him, and then he's gone. The world has not sold me on Jai Courtney yet. I'm not. I'm not there. I Jai bless me. But you know, whatever. <laughs> At this point, like I, I I don't even know what else there is to really say about Alita: Battle Angel. I wish there was more to say about it because, you know, you could tell that. Well, can you tell that there was effort put into this? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> Why, Weta? Weta put a lot of work into this. Sure. And, and you know you know what? The Alita character uh, herself is certainly one that is unique and definitely is, I think, someone that, if the movie around her was stronger, could have been an, icon- an iconic movie character. But, man, as is, I'm going to forget this one like in a week. You know? Yeah, definitely. And I do want to say Rosa Salazar, I think, is really trying in this. I think she did her very best with what she's given and the limitations. Uh, you know, she's not Andy Circus. She's not someone who, you know, has spent a lot of their acting career working with mocap and making it their own. So for someone who's kind of taken their first run at this, she does a pretty decent job. And they did a good job animating her. But it was just... I felt bad for her throughout most. It was like, oh, honey, you deserve so much better than this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, okay. What grade? What grade are we going with for this? Uh, you know, or final thoughts. Do we have anything else to talk about? I mean, what is there left? Do you think that it mm-hmm. has a chance at the 2019 visual effects? Do you think this will be remembered enough because it's Cameron and it's so flashy? I think there will definitely be a campaign for it. And I definitely think they'll try, but... I don't know. I mean, it's a February release. It's not critically well-reviewed. If this was like a very well-reviewed movie uh, that had a lot of industry respect and support behind it, yes. Um, As it stands, I think it might make the short list, but I I don't see it getting a nomination. I don't. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, especially with, you know, we've got Avengers Endgame coming out this year. There's going to be Captain Marvel. There's going to be a lot of other VFX heavy films coming out this year that I think, like you like you said, I think it'll just kind of, if it gets a nod, it'll be like, look how, look, you did a good job with that. That was good. But nothing else. It will be more of a courtesy, I think, than anything that everyone feels it really earned its chops, as it were. Now, I have to ask, like, in your opinion, because I think we're both pretty negative on this movie, actually. Um, why do you think there are some people that are really, uh, you know, really digging this film? Uh, do you think it's just because, uh, like, I mean, like, I, I don't under, I, I don't know. I think it's like, it's one of those things where I kind of don't understand the love for this movie that it's gotten from some people. I think it maybe maybe it's maybe it's more of a respect than admire uh, sort of thing, you know. Maybe some people just really respect the work that Weta put into it and the ambition that Robert Rodriguez displays. Maybe they just like the action set pieces, but the story is just so basic and just so superficial. This is like, you know, I, I kind of use this in my initial reaction, but this movie feels just as manufactured and superficial as Alita herself, without the humanity yeah. behind it. I think that there's a certain subset of. Uh, anime fans who are 
can be quite rabid. We'll just be honest about it. And that's not a bad thing to be super into your into your fandom. I don't I don't personally judge it. I was once an otaku myself, but I I do think there's a certain subset of this fandom that is so excited to see so much money being put towards uh something that comes from what's considered one of the more classic anime. I mean, this was came out in the early 90s when anime was just hitting America and so I think there's a certain contingent of that where unless it was, you know, they totally butchered every aspect of it, they were going to love this because it's, you know, they get to see something that a lot of people have wanted for reasons I don't understand, live action anime on screen. You know, there's a certain part of people who want that. And I am just as confused as you are by it. because Not for well, me. I will, I will say this. My grade is not complete and utter trash. <laughs> I know that this review, I may have come off like a little harsh towards the movie. Um, there are a tiny bit of elements that do work. Um, James Cameron, I don't think, is a good writer. I really don't think he is. I think he's good at coming up with ideas for you know the movies that he makes, like especially his original films. But dialogue has never been the guy's strong suit. And every time he does make, like, a movie that features dialogue, like, uh, you know, well, I mean, all of his movies feature dialogue. But I mean, like, you know, like, a movie like Avatar, for example. Avatar is a movie that, from a design standpoint and from the visual standpoint, that's where Cameron excels. But from the story and the dialogue, the story is usually simple. Yeah. And the dialogue is usually almost practically film 101 childish. Yes. And that's what I felt like with this screenplay here where the design elements rested on Robert Rodriguez's shoulders a little bit more so. And I think there are some really cool moments. Like that bar fight scene is awesome, I think. And there is a couple yeah, of other. that was one I enjoyed. Yeah. There's a couple of others that, are, that play off very well here. But it goes back to the script. It goes back to the script. It goes back to the world building. It goes back to the dialogue. It goes back to the characters. And I think that is the fundamental flaw with this movie and thus I bring my grade down to a four out of 10 for a little battle angel. Yeah, that's right where I'm at is a four out of 10. I'm willing to give, you know, and my points are all for the cool visual effects and, uh, how hard Alita or Rosa Salazar is trying as Alita. And even though they are, not given at all. I, I do think Christoph Waltz and Mahershala Ali are fun to watch in this movie. They're, I did really enjoy the scene where Christoph Waltz is carrying a, a hammer that is so huge. It's bigger so, than him. I know, which is a totally anime thing. And I love it. I Seeing that on screen, I was like, all right, this looks just as ridiculous in real life as I thought it would. I expected like Samuel Jackson to just come out of nowhere and be like, you see that hammer? It was bigger than him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there are certain parts of it where I just laughed at it. And it gets a point just for being, because I love bad movies. So I was like, well... This isn't a, a good, bad movie, but I had a little bit of fun watching, like, the chaos and craziness unfold, even if it turned out that what it became was not good or very interesting. Yeah. Hopefully, as these early months of 2019 roll on, we get some other films that pop up that uh, reignite 
our enthusiasm and our, uh, you know, love for film. But this certainly was not it for me this time around. So not. sorry, Robert Rodriguez. Sorry, Alita fans. I, I know you all are out there, but this was not the movie you deserved. Yeah, exactly. You deserve better. All right, Katie, where can they find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter at KT underscore Schaefer. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Alita Battle Angel here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, Newly, also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Rate us five stars. Leave a comment. It is very important because then it helps people to discover our show. And if you're feeling generous, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you once again so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. Next time.